Well, as the Civil War was coming to a close in 1865, uh, Columbia, South Carolina was devastated um, by fire. Multiple fires began in the city and high winds in that season uh, spread the flames across an incredibly wide area. Almost the entirety of the city was destroyed. In fact, there was only one fire station left standing It was the Palmetto Fire Engine Company on Blanding Street. The city had suffered greatly um, with everything left uh, basically uh, defenseless, especially in the sense of being able to protect the city and fight fires. Well, some of the Union soldiers that had been fighting there in South Carolina were actually New York firemen. They were deeply affected knowing that their fellow South Carolinian firemen uh, had been left with nothing, no ability to protect their city, to fight fires. So upon their return to New York, these firefighters started to raise money for their former enemies, if you will, guys that they had just been fighting against years earlier, now they were actually fighting for They raised $5,000 and they purchased a new uh, engine, they purchased new hoses and host of of gear and they loaded it onto a boat uh, to sail it south. Only 24 hours later, that boat caught fire and actually sank. Well, the New York firemen were not deterred in the least. They immediately raised funds again for a new purchase And then in June of 1867, the New York firemen formally presented a brand new uh, hose carriage and gear to the firemen of South Carolina. The people of South Carolina and Columbia specifically were so gratified and blown away by this gesture of the New York firemen that they promised to never forget and to return the kindness, stating Should misfortune ever befall the empire city? Well, 134 years later, that promise was fulfilled. It was September of 2001 when administrators, teachers, and and students of the White Knoll Middle School watched in horror as the World Trade Center was destroyed. They saw the devastation and they saw uh, particularly the destruction that the New York firefighters uh, faced And so the principal and the staff immediately took action and steps to raise money, what they felt had been put on their hearts to buy New York City a new fire truck. The kids of that school started bringing in their loose change. They started garage sales and and bake sales, and all of a sudden word began to spread throughout uh, the city, and they raised over $500,000 And they were able to purchase a fire truck for Ladder Company 101 in Brooklyn, which lost seven firefighters on September in 2001. They also lost their hook and ladder truck. Now, I think about that knowing that that principal could have probably very easily found a wealthy person in their community or found a business that would uh, very quickly and easily been able to give half a million dollars towards this cause. But she wanted everyone involved. Everyone in that school sacrificed. Everyone used their own creativity. They used their own giftedness to be invested in this project. Why? Because those who have been given a gift give back. 
Those who have been given much should give much. And you know what? This is really a picture of the plan of God. He has a plan to redeem and to restore uh, the world, and he's chosen for you to be involved. Isn't that amazing? He wants to use you. Now, this is week two in our Living Scent series, and we're being guided by a verse that Jesus actually prayed over us, his, his followers. It's in John 17, verse 18, and he prayed, as you, meaning the Father, have sent me, so I send them, that's us, into the world. So, so Jesus, in praying for us, reminds us that he has been sent from the Father, on mission from the Father. And likewise, we have been challenged in the same way to live sent, to live with purpose, the same mission and the same values that Jesus had with the same goal of glorifying our Heavenly Father. Now, I would imagine there's a bit of trepidation this morning as, as you heard that you've been sent like Jesus has been sent. After all, we've seen Jesus' life and ministry, right? We've read it and we know the stories and we've seen how, how he, he lived and it's daunting to think that God the Father would place the same expectations on us that he placed on his son Jesus. But in those same very pages that chronicle the life and the stories of Jesus show us the life and the stories of his followers, right? And there we find much common ground a ragtag group of, of men and, and women not known for their theological prowess, not known for their refined education, more like just simple ordinary Joes, yet marked by a power that, that transformed their lives and the lives of those around them. It wasn't too long ago here at Wildwood that we journeyed through the book of Acts as a, as a sermon series, and we saw markers over and over again of a church that was set on fire by the Spirit of God. They were living with power, the power of God, and they were living on mission of God for the glory of God. But yet we read that, and certainly there are parts of Acts that are descriptive, meaning, hey, that happened and it was awesome and it's not going to happen again. But, but my fear is that, that we read throughout the stories of Scripture and we read with our minds far too many things that are descriptive and not actually prescriptive, meaning, hey, that's for us. The same Holy Spirit and the same power and the same marking of the early church in the first century should mark us some 2,000 years later right here at Wildwood Church. And I want you to remember this morning that God has given us everything we need through the Holy Spirit. Remember Acts 1.8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, in Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. We see the word power, right? Dunamis is the word in the original language, the same root from where we get the word dynamite, this explosive power that would come upon the followers of Jesus and on the church. Do you recognize the power of the Holy Spirit in you? Would you be so bold to, to characterize your spiritual life as one of power? 
your spiritual life marked by power? Listen, humbly speaking or not, most of us would probably take a hard pass on that one. Uh, On saying, hey, I have a spirit-filled life that's marked by power. Yet that's available. And he's given it to us. And and I know we see the word power, but if you were reading with me, you also saw the word witness. And so in your mind, you probably heard the word evangelism. And then all of a sudden, your palms start to get a bit sweaty and and you start to maybe feel convicted already. So so let me put your mind at ease and tell you this isn't going to be a sermon on evangelism. It's actually a message on how the Holy Spirit empowers us and gifts us to serve. You can relax. (laughs) Because we're going to see that each of us has been given the Holy Spirit's power in order to serve. And then we recognize the whole goal of serving is evangelism. Gotcha. (laughs) It's why he's gifted us. It's why he's given us his spirit. It's for the building up so that we can serve and build up Christ's kingdom. So now you can be nervous again. It's okay. But isn't that true? Why we've been given the Spirit of God it isn't for selfish purposes. He's given us His Spirit and power so that we can build up the kingdom of God, so we can participate in what Jesus participated in, in the mission that He's launched us out on. And so well, we serve so that people can come to know God, so that they can grow in God, and so that they too can go for God. That's the goal. If you're willing and able, let me invite you to stand with me in honor of God's word this morning. Our text will be found in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians. It'll be on the screen if you want to follow along. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, we'll start at the beginning. Paul writes, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking of the Spirit ever says Jesus is a curse, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there's varieties of service, but the same Lord. There's varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them to everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given uh, through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another the gifts of healing by the one Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another the ability to distinguish between spirits, to another various kinds of tongues, and to the other an interpretation of tongues. All of these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. Heavenly Father, in these moments that we have in your word, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to see exactly what you have for us today, a church that has been gifted in order to serve so that the kingdom can move forward. And God, I pray that you would give us spiritual eyes to see and to hear the message that you have for us that the same Holy Spirit that filled the early believers would move upon this place today in power, that you would show us what we have available to us, that you would convict and challenge us about the mission that you have before us and equip us well to serve so that your kingdom may be built up. 
And Father, as always, we come to your word not merely seeking information. God, we come seeking transformation. So today, would you make us more like your son, Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Now, there's a myriad of different directions spiritual applications when it comes to this topic of uh, spiritual gifts, even in this text this morning that, that we read. But I would say to you from the outset, my goal is really for us to discover what God is asking of us when it comes to serving. And then like last week, I want to give you some practical application points that you can take with you both individually and then also corporately. For us as a church, as a faith family, that we can better embrace one of our four operative values, which is to serve freely. How do we use our gifts to serve freely? Now, it'll be helpful for us to start with a working definition of spiritual gifts, and I offer this one to you. A spiritual gift is a supernatural ability given to all Christ followers to do God's mission on earth. It takes a bit of the, the mystery out of it that we've been given. It's supernatural. It's not human produced. At least one, possibly more, gifts in order for us as followers of Jesus to accomplish God's mission here on earth. Now, if you read the scripture, you understand that the gifts are given first to the church and then that they're to be overflowing into the world. And with that in mind, let's look at some truths from our text this morning. And the first is this, spiritual gifts are Holy Spirit empowered. After Jesus' death and burial, resurrection and ascension, a new era dawned for the people of God. Because after Jesus returned uh, to heaven, he said, I will pour out my spirit. I'm going to leave you with a gift. And that spirit came in a new and a fresh way on his people. The initial outpouring of this spirit uh, showed up with signs that had not been uh, seen before. This wind, this fire, if you will, speaking in tongues that occurred on the day of Pentecost. But after that initial outpouring of the Spirit of God, we see that the Holy Spirit marks His presence in our lives through the spiritual gifts that He has given, as we just read, to all believers. Now, spiritual gifts are mentioned for the very first time in Scripture in Romans chapter 1. Paul writes, For I long to see you, that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you, that is, that we may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith, both yours and mine. So we see that the gifts are given for the building up of each other's faith, that we leverage them to speak into the lives of each other here in the church. And so spiritual gifts are not something that are weird. Uh, they're not atypical or extraordinary. They're not unusual. In fact, it's quite uh, the opposite. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the spiritual gifts. I was challenged and, and convicted years ago by one of our missionaries that's a good friend of mine uh, in Nicaragua. We were riding uh, together and he just said simply this question, Todd, do you want everything that God would have for you? Well... I'm trying to run real quickly. Is this a trick question? Is it like, I go, well, yeah. He goes, well, do you pray for that then? I'm like, oh, all right. <laughs> no, no, I really don't. I don't, I don't think about that. I don't, don't eagerly desire necessarily everything that God has for me, yet we're told here in Scripture to do just that. 
And so one of the Holy Spirit's primary roles is to empower and enable Christ followers to do supernatural works. So if you, this morning, are a follower of Jesus Christ, then you can know that the Holy Spirit has equipped you already. He's enabling you with spiritual gifts to do ministry, to make a difference both across the street and around the world. It's always a bit mind-boggling to me that God has entrusted us with his mission here on earth. He has trusted us as his followers with how Jesus will be seen in this world. You can see why that's a bit mind-boggling and why anybody would probably think, hey, God, there's probably a better plan, right, than to use us, broken, fallen, sinful creatures who rarely get it right, who often care more about what's going on in our lives than anything that has to do with the kingdom. You're going to use us, but this is why the empowering of the Holy Spirit is so important, That's why the spiritual gifts are so important, and that's why Paul says at the beginning of our text, I don't want you to be uninformed. So we're going to take that excuse off the table. I just didn't know. He says that's not a good excuse. The stakes are too high to not know. Second truth we see is that spiritual gifts are given to all Christ followers. What an amazing truth this morning to celebrate in worship that we are all spiritually gifted. That may be the only time that it's been said of you that you're gifted, but at least you can hang your hat on this one. You have been given a spiritual gift. Congratulations. You're gifted, gifted in the Spirit of God. And our passage makes it clear that the Holy Spirit manifests itself in the life of every Christ follower by imparting at least one spiritual gift, which means this, there's no spectators in the body of Christ. That's why we say around here, every member a minister. Because there's no one's meant to sit on uh, the sidelines. No one sits the bench, if you will. Speaking of the bench, take a look at this video. Magel had scored on a 79-yard run. The frustration level was growing on the Alabama bench. And a fullback named Tommy Lewis finally had all he could stand. As Magel broke down the field for another long run, Lewis suddenly jumped up from the Bama bench and made a picture-perfect tackle. Then he retreated back to the bench and became the first player in the history of the Cotton Bowl to try to hide during a game. Magel was awarded a 95-yard touchdown. And he finished with 265 yards rushing. Now, we could probably make an application this morning that would probably hurt Pastor David's heart. (laughs) But I'd rather use that video to say, isn't that how it should be for all of us who are followers of Jesus Christ? Like, I just can't sit on the sidelines and watch. I've got to do something. Like, put me in, coach, right? Like, I want to use the gifts that I've been given to make an impact. I want to make a difference in this world. If I asked you this morning to do some honest self-evaluation, would you find, spiritually speaking, that you're really just sitting in the stands? Are you simply a fan of Jesus? Jesus had fans everywhere he went. Large crowds followed him. I think fans want a relationship with Jesus. They just want it on their own terms, right? Don't ask me to sacrifice or commit. I'll kind of come when I can. I'll do what I can when it's convenient for me. 
I'll connect with him, you know, when it works out in my life, but, but don't ask for more than that from me. See, the reality is Jesus has always had fans. We read over and over again that large crowds would gather wherever he went. But you know what was always striking? Jesus was never impressed by the size of the crowd. But he was always concerned with their level of commitment. Jesus wasn't interested in just drawing a large group of people. He was interested in not fans. He was interested in committed followers. And a concern I always have for our faith family here is the possibility that instead of having a committed community of followers, what if we're nothing more than a stadium full of fans? What if we wear a cross but we never fully embrace what it means to bear the cross. In our text this morning, if we kept reading there in 1 Corinthians, Paul makes a stunning application as to how the spiritual gifts are to work much like the physical body. So the hand and the foot that works together with the head or the often overlooked uvula. You know, that little hanging down thingy in the back of your throat, right? All of these things somehow working together, even the most insignificant or, hey, what's that there for? Part of the body intricately and designed in such a complex way to work together to accomplish. And so we see him say, hey, all of these body parts, just as they work together, everybody is needed in the body of Christ, Everything is important. Everyone is important, which means you're needed here. We need you involved. We need you serving. Uh, For over 16 years now, I've been leading student teams to serve uh, globally. Um, And some of the most impactful parts of of, of me as a leader, getting to watch them uh, serve Jesus in the context of, of global missions, was watching students discover their gifts and then leverage their uh, abilities to accomplish the mission. And so I would set them up in order to lead a certain area of responsibility, whether that was uh, in construction or building a home or working on a church, or whether that was us doing a a kid's camp, a sports camp to reach uh, students with the gospel. And for me to honestly, at, at many times, just stand back and watch them lead. Watch the light bulb of faith click on and watch them serve and give of their abilities and their talents and, and their spiritual gifting in order to accomplish the mission. It was absolutely amazing. And that's just a small picture of what we have here of how the church is supposed to be working together. The third thing we see this morning is that spiritual gifts are for the common good. We read that in verse 7. Now, the Apostle Paul talks about gifts more than any other apostle, and his teaching on this subject can be found in at least three of his epistles. And we read in verse 7 that the gifts are given for the common good. Everywhere that Paul talks about spiritual gifts, uh, them being Holy Spirit given and empowered, he says it's really for two reasons. One, so that Christ can be made known. 
You've been gifted so that Christ can be made known. And secondly, so that we can build up and serve the kingdom. And so as we think about gifts this morning, we want to think about them in that context. The gifts that God has given me, how can I make him known? And then how can I build up the, the kingdom? Starting here in the church and the church overflowing into the world. And so don't miss this big idea. When we're using our gifts effectively, this should be happening. People should be coming to Christ. People should be growing in Christ. And then again, people should be going for Christ. We'll know that we're an effective body here at Wildwood Church when those three things are happening. That's the common good that Paul's talking about. That's the kingdom of God being built up. And so that means you, Christ follower, have a calling to steward your gifts and to use them wisely and cautiously. The gifts that you have been given were not meant to make you look good so that you could by chance brag and say, well, hey, look at me and look at how good I am at this or look at how I have been gifted. Uh, They should never be given so that we can boast about our spiritual aptitude. And really that's at the core of our understanding of biblical theology, that the pursuit of God's glory and the pursuit of what is good for us are not two separate pursuits. They're one in the same. If you want to glorify God and make him known for who he really is, then you do it by serving others. You serve God by serving other people. 1 Peter 4 reminds us, as each has received a gift, use it, here it is, to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks is one who speaks oracles of God. Whoever serves is one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Christ Jesus. And then even a benediction he gives to him belong the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so the last thing we want to do is insult the giver of the gift by leaving the gift unused. He's given us a gift that he intends for us to use. And the church is the community where the presence and the power of God is made visible through the gifts that he has generously given to his people. So God has given you the gift that he intends for you to use to make a difference in the church and throughout the world. The fourth truth we see this morning is that spiritual gifts are to be discovered and utilized. Now, after his death in 1840, the city of Genoa, the birthplace of this great Italian composer and violinist, Nicola Paganini, the city was willed one of his famous violins, but it came with a condition that the instrument would never be played again. Now, this was actually a very unfortunate condition that was placed on this violin, but because the way that it was crafted and the wood that it was crafted with, as long as it was used regularly and handled, it would show very little wear. But as soon as the violin was taken out of service and it was placed in a case on display, eventually it began to decay So this once exquisite, mellow-toned, handcrafted violin has become decayed in its beautiful case, valueless, except really as a relic. And that decomposing violin is a sobering reminder to us 
that a life withdrawn from service to others likewise loses its meaning and value and purpose. Church, it's what we were created for. This is us living our best life, living it to the fullest when we are serving God by serving others. Look at what Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Isn't that amazing? Before you were even born, God decided what contribution he wanted you to make to the kingdom. He he thought about it well before your parents had a thought. And he had it planned and designed so that it would work together in a way that would ultimately move his kingdom forward. God didn't put you on this planet just to take up space. And so you serve God best when you serve others. Serving others are the good works. It's a life marked by ministry. Now, practically speaking, there's about five different places in the New Testament where the 20 or so spiritual gifts are listed Now, now you need to know, like many of the lists in Scripture, uh, even the listing of gifts is not an exhaustive uh, list. But I would offer this morning that the gifts can be broken down into three categories. So if this is uh, helpful for you to think about, uh, you can think about the prophetic gifts, the priestly gifts, and the kingly gifts, all right? The prophetic gifts, gifts like teaching, Preaching, uh, exhorting, prophesying. Uh, these gifts are given to bring God to the people, right? Then you've got the priestly gifts like hospitality and mercy and serving. And the priestly gifts are designed to bring the people to God. And then you have the kingly gifts like knowledge and discernment and administration. And what are these gifts for? They're to lead the people of God. Now, prophet and priest and king should sound familiar, right? Because there's only one person who has ever been all of those and had all of those, and that is Jesus Christ himself, our true prophet and priest and king. But we see the gifting in these categories, which becomes a little more helpful for us to discover how God has wired and gifted us. Now, as much as I would encourage you and going to give you some practical tools to discover uh, your gifting, I would also say don't worry too much about trying to fit them into categories. And don't, don't concern yourself uh, too much about labeling your spiritual gift before you actually use it. Don't try to fit yourself into the right category whether it's prophecy or teaching or, or wisdom or knowledge or, or healing or miracles or mercy or administration and like, oh, okay, that, that one's mine. The, the best way to think is this. The best place to discover your gifts is simply to look around you for opportunities and needs. If you want to discover what you're gifted at, just see what God has put around you. Pay attention to your surroundings. See where opportunities and needs exist and where God burdens your heart and you think, huh, I might be able to do something about that. Chances are that is where you're gifted. I think much like neighboring last week, I think we've made this a little too complex, far more than it really is. Ask God to open your eyes to help you see the needs around you. And then I would say just jump in. Get off the bench, get in the game, and see how God has wired you to serve. 
If it's helpful, I can give you an acrostic that I've used with our uh, middle school and high school students for for years. I believe it came from uh, Pastor Rick Warren. It just simply spells out the word shape, which stands for this. S is your spiritual gifts. That's what we're talking about. H is your heart. What are the things that burden you? A are your abilities. What are you good at? P is your personality. How has he wired your personality uniquely? And then E are your experiences, whether good or bad, the road that you have walked. And I think all of those combined is how God has gifted us. And it is going to be unique to you that is different than anyone else in here. And that's on purpose so that the body can work together, so that no one can say to the other, but yeah, I don't have that gift or I'm not good at that. Guess what? Someone else is. And that's how it's designed to work. These are the five things that make you, you. And when you discover yourself in these areas, you'll begin to understand better how God wants to use you to serve the kingdom. I was standing actually right here in September of 2013 preaching. It was actually a message on discipleship, disciple-making in the kingdom of God, and I felt the Holy Spirit tugging on my heart to give people an opportunity to respond, which is a little more atypical probably for us. Finished preaching, went back down there, was standing there singing, and watched this woman walk down the aisle with tears in her eyes and sit right there on the front row. Gave her a moment and then sat down beside her and just said, hey, I'm, I'm happy to listen in. And she looked over and said, could you use someone like me in ministry? I've got a really tough story. Said, I don't know if I can use someone like you, but I know this, God can use someone like you in ministry. I set up a time to meet with her that week, and she came to my office, and I just sat and listened in, and she was right. She had a tough story. Uh, On the E for experiences, boy, she had a lot of them. But I also could start to hear her passion, her heart, how God had wired her. I said, "I'd, I'd love to find a way for you to get connected, even in the context of our student ministry. And in what I can only describe as a Holy Spirit connection, there was a ministry that I had been praying to start for years prior to this experience. A ministry called Life Hurts, God Heals, designed to connect with hurting students and help them learn to process their pain. And as I'm listening and the Holy Spirit's working, I said, hey, can I share something with you to think and and pray about? Now, we had tried multiple times to, hey, we need to get this going. We need to start this. And it was as if God put just a red light, a roadblock in front of us every single time. And as I'm listening, I'm thinking, God, what, what are you, you up to here? Now, she looked at me. She goes, how in the world am I going to fit in student ministry? I'm a grandma. <laughs> I'm like, you've got great things to offer. I bet you give good hugs. <laughs> I said, just come on up and just hang out. Get to know the students. Let's just pray and explore and see what God may uh, have for you. Just show up. Just be yourself. And, and sure enough, after much prayer and planning, Life Hurts, God Heals launched that next year. And for the next seven semesters, God used Suzanne Fortune 
And the Life Hurts God Heals ministry in such a powerful and profound way to help so many middle school, high school, and college students understand how to deal with hurt and pain in their life. And you know why she was successful in loving hurting students? Because she was one. That was a part of her story. There were deep places of hurt and pain in her story, and God used her story and her spiritual gifting to lead a powerful ministry. Now, fast forward to just this year, and I'm in a meeting with other outreach pastors and some parachurch leaders here in our city, and we're dreaming together. How do we make an impact on Tallahassee? How do we love those that are hurting? How do we come alongside them and equip them? They're not the ones that are walking into the doors of our church, and we want to go to them. How do we reach them and encourage them and and walk alongside them? I mean, this is a God-sized dream that's spanning churches across denominational lines, how we can raise up mentors that would love and listen and disciple and, and help and hear and mentor those who need a friend. In one of our meetings just a couple of months ago, we're thinking, who, who can lead this? We've got to have somebody that can guide and, and, and shape this. And who would God bring to my mind? <laughs> oh my gosh, Suzanne. I call her and I'm like, hey, would you be, I know this is crazy, but I've asked you crazy things before. <laughs> so maybe the Holy Spirit's working here. Would you come and just listen in? And, and we're in the infancy stages. Wildwood's going to be one of the, the pilot churches in this ministry in the city. I can't wait to just kind of see what God's going to do, raising up our people to go and equip to, to mentor and love and listen in on people's stories and to help them find Jesus. Here's the reality. Suzanne's story can be your story. It won't be exactly the same. It's not supposed to be. But it starts the same. Your best ability is your availability. Here I am. I'm here, God. How might you use me? It all starts with remembering. I've been given a gift, so I need to give out of my gift. I need to give back. I've been served by Jesus, so I desire to serve Jesus with all of my heart. Now, I've been one of your pastors for 17 years now. And what I've learned during this time is that God's given me uh, the gift of being able to talk, listen, encourage, challenge, preach, motivate. But, but here's where the gifting stops. I can't transform you. I, I can't make anything that I've just preached about happen. And, and I've, I, I don't have that power. I, I wish I did. But honestly, it's freeing to know that I don't have that power. Now, I've put together initiatives and, and opportunities and trainings and, and mission videos. And praise God, Wildwood Church responds, right? Yes, Todd, I'll go. Or yes, Todd, I'll, I'll give to that. Or yes, I'll take the next step. But, but you know what I've seen? Often, it, it rarely lasts. Sometimes, it doesn't even make it out of the parking lot. And again, that's freeing to me. Because I can't make it happen for us and I'm not called to. So that makes me desperate for the Holy Spirit to invade your life, to invade this place, to transform us by his power and equip us and mobilize us as a faith family to live on mission for God. I can't make that happen. But the Holy Spirit can. And he will if we will join him. 
to transform us to be the people of God, equipped by the Holy Spirit of God, using our gifts on mission for the glory of God. Now to help, I'll give some practical ways for you, much like I did last week. You can follow the link at the bottom of your sermon notes or that QR code will take you uh, to just a page on our website that gives you practical ways to think about and discover your spiritual gifts and some ways that you may put them into practice and use them here in the context of Wildwood Church. 